0: Hello everybody, my name is Eric Johnson and I'm the founder and chairman of Aurora Worldwide Development Corporation. I'm here with two of my best friends uh, to kick off something that we're calling Running into the Fog. And it's an opportunity for me and my brother Derek to get together with a guest uh, every once in a while and talk a little bit about uh, their lives and their work and, uh, and our collaborations together. So with that, I'd like to introduce you
1: to my brother Derek. Hi everybody, thanks Eric, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, this is something we've been talking now about for a few months. Uh, running into the fog together Uh, something we have a lot of experience doing uh, since this pandemic hit right just really excited to have Jeff uh, Meyer on the phone and on the video with us today Uh, Jeff our my time with you goes back a little shorter than Eric's uh, but can you describe for you and for us and uh, our guests in your own words about you know what uh, it's meant to get to know Eric and myself and Aurora's family and maybe we start there today
2: yeah, absolutely. I want to appreciate you guys for having me on. I hope that we can add some value to your listeners today. I am I am so grateful for that day. I don't know, what was it, Eric, six years ago, uh, five years ago, where you and your wife, Tina, came into my office and talked about being a part of our, our training session um, that my wife and I led. And from there, uh, there's been just this... Um, really refreshing friendship that is um, one of challenge and encouragement. And um, you've poured into me and hopefully I've poured into you a bit. And it's just fun to be on this kind of uh, parallel journey together. I love the name of your podcast, Running Into the Fog, because it feels a bit like that's my life um, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, and consultant, an author, and as a local Christian pastor, and trying to navigate all those things in a very uh, rapidly changing world, which has been changing for the last 10 or 15 years of my life, and really accelerated since March of uh, 2020, uh, when the pandemic really hit us here in the States. So... um, I'm here and looking forward to talking with the two of you. It's It's been fun to also get to know Derek along the way, as well as you've introduced me to him, the brothers Johnson or the Joe Bros, as we like to say. And most recently, since about August, being able to work with you and consult with you and to help your team uh, run into the fog. Um, a big part of that for me has been the every week meeting with the two of you. Um, to help you, uh, as we've used this word picture, this metaphor, to help you guys play catch a little bit better than you were maybe before before March. So um, thank you for having me on today and thank you for your trust in me and the opportunity to work alongside of you.
0: That well said. Well, Derek and I have been excited about this uh, exploration for the last uh, four or five months and just really um, eager to see where it takes us uh, from here. Um, you know, the, the pandemic hit with, I think, quite a lot of surprise for people uh, back last spring. Uh, by the way, as we record this, It's Tuesday, January 26th. I don't think I'm supposed to say that on an inaugural podcast because it's supposed to live on forever, but hey, I might not live to see tomorrow, so uh, I'm going to mark the day. Uh, We just got about a half a foot of snow in Madison, where we all live, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, I think we were all out moving snow uh, this morning uh, at one point or another. But uh, the cool uh, collaboration, I think, that you've helped Derek and I, Um, really close the distance on. And that's been a theme of my pandemic anyway, is closing the distance, not only closing the distance between us, the social distance that we're forced into. And, you know, I haven't seen either one of you face-to-face for, well, other than this face-to-face for, you know, better part of a year now. Um, The, uh, close the distance on the issues that confront us. You know, what are the issues that our organizations and the people who rely on us as leaders uh, to grapple with and cope with, and then try and express some of our control against. And then I think um, the other part of closing the distance is when you know what to do. Uh, When you have certainty about what comes next, you do it. You act, you swing into action. When you lack certainty about what to do, you've got to be a little more contemplative and collaborative with others and figure out what that pathway ought to be. And I think all three of those characters of Closing the Distance has been very much a part of what it is we've been doing here. So now looking at the running into the fog part of the identity behind this show um, and having you kick this off for us, Jeff, I think is very, very appropriate, perfect even uh, in terms of helping us figure out how do, you, how do you move forward when you're not sure what the future holds? When in fact, you know, back in April and May, we we're like, what's this going to be another couple of weeks? And we'll have this whole pandemic behind us. We'll be back at church. We'll be having our meetings again. You know, should we cancel our annual conference, the Reconverge G2 meeting, because it'd been moved back to October? You know, surely it'll be done by then. And when the reality is, Uh, There's a vaccine out there, but this is not going away anytime soon. This uh, This is the foreseeable future for the next, you know, who knows how long. So that's the running into the fog part. And either one of you, feel free to jump in there and just comment on that uncertainty, the ability to not let the uncertainty and the fear stop you.
2: You know i'll just i'll just say something that we've learned working together as a team with the aurora team over the last six seven months is that the further you look out the more uncertain it becomes and so one of the principles for me is you you glance at the far distant future because you want to be going in that general direction right but you need to gaze at what's right in front of you. Mm. Um, it's kind of like driving. You need to keep your eyes glancing off in the horizon, but you really need to keep your eyes fixed right in front of you. And so we've talked about 25 years out as you celebrate, what is it? 26 years uh, as a company. About so a week. the next 25 years, you have set a course that is lofty. And if you spend too much time gazing at that, it's completely overwhelming and it's completely uncertain. Just glance at it, but then we've spent the time really gazing at the next 90 days. Like, what do we need to do in these next three months? And then even back, what do we need to do this week? Mm -hmm. And one of the things we've recently introduced into our dialogue is what do we need to do? What's a daily win towards that? And that's where the focus needs to be, right? And if you flip that, that's where overwhelm comes. And that's where we get just completely locked down with fear. And so when I say move forward anyway, it's acknowledging that overwhelm, but then just taking the next step.
1: I think what's cool about that guys is that, uh, that is in essence what intelligence does. It helps you make better decisions, you know, and, and ideally lead from some type of insight and take some action on it. Um, you know, a little bit of history, because this being the the first of the Running Into the Fog podcasts, you know, Eric and I are four years apart, everybody uh, that might be watching this. Uh, As kids, we were not very good friends, you know, put it bluntly. Uh, Eric and I wasn't like we gravitated to one another. Some brothers do. We kind of, we were just far enough apart in age where our our circles were different. Uh, The running joke is that our mom often required Eric to just have his little kid brother tag along because there was nothing else for me to do, right? As a lot of parents struggle with, um, especially in this era where virtual school is a situation for for many uh, as we continue to navigate this pandemic. But way back then, you know, the, the, the story that some of you may have heard us talk about is how Eric shot me in the belly without a shirt on and a, with a BB gun once upon a time, like to the point where he had to dig the, the little nugget of a bullet out, right? Um, I've gotten over that. And what I've gotten to the point of—I'm
0: not sure you have actually.
1: (laughs) I keep bringing it up. I keep bringing it up. But the uh, the fact is, we kind of we became one another's biggest fans, and some of that had to do with tragedy in our in our family life. Our parents passed away. I was 24. You were 28 when our dad died, give or take. Um, Two and a half short years later, our mom passed away. So you know, we essentially, other than your family through Tina. And eventually my family through my wife, Allie, and and all of our kids together, we have eight children together uh, between the two families. So it's a huge blessing that, you know, we went from those somewhat dark days and you were getting Aurora started back in 95, just before all that went down. But I still say, you know, without the, you know, and that was a a really foggy time, you know, Mm -hmm. this metaphor of running into the fog couldn't be more accurate. I mean, we were running into the fog, trying to navigate our parents passing away together as two siblings, two, as our mom would say, two Honyaks from northern Wisconsin. And what that allowed, in retrospect, for us to do is just develop such a friendship and bond that really was unbreakable. And then it allowed me to find an onboarding opportunity with the company that you started and had the guts to start, you know, on your 25th birthday way back when. So, you know, as we, you know, just next week are about to pivot to our 26th anniversary, yeah, let's celebrate the really amazing things that this company has done, that the two of us have done together, that our staff has done. But what I love about us is that we stay humble. And with Jeff's guidance, we, we have truly an opportunity to, to be able to think 25 years out, but doing it with, you know, lenses that are more 90-day focused, one-year focused, three-year focused. And it's, it's just a really huge blessing and there's no place I'd rather be.
0: Right on. Well, Derek, you said... Um... Actually, I think it was last week or the week before that uh, we get together for an hour and, and the three of us talk through you know the Joe Bros and the play and catch and, and you know how that's going. And I think I shared uh, first, but I said that I've never been more certain about where the company's going and where we're headed. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but um, your response to that, Derek, was, uh, you've never been more excited. Uh, and Jeff marked the moment when that exchange happened because I've never been certain of where we're going. Um, I've always been very eager to learn, I think. That's, that's sort of the summary of my 26 years is I've never stopped wanting to be a student of what it is we do and a student of the people that are brought into our path, you know, too. That's such a huge, those two things, learning who's been brought to us and at the same time, what lessons there are for us. Um, And it's infinite, there's no end to that. That is how we are meant to spend our lives. Discovering reality and discovering the people in our lives and what their reality is like, and how to be a part of their reality in a way that uh, really helps them achieve what they want to achieve. And I think you know the the biggest kind of breakthrough for us uh, as a company has been um, unifying around our mission statement and the notion that we are outfitting people for the path ahead. That's really what intelligence is for. Uh, it's what intelligence has always been about since it moved from national security into the business world. And now I think this is sort of a third age uh, that we're creating here. We're moving intelligence in, uh, into contexts where people can turn insight into action without a corporation or an industry or a nation or a conflict You know, being the impetus of that, but a much more positive and upbeat and, you know, growth oriented kind of mindset behind it. And I think that's what has been the greatest discovery for me is discovering how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I've discovered in the last five months how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And I have never been more sure of what comes next. And, yeah. You know, by the way, if you're wondering, I'm already retired. I've been retired for 10 years since I gave Derek the CEO job. Uh, so you're going to see more of me in retirement than you have when I was actually working, even though it's work. Um, this does not feel like work to me.
2: Mm. I love how you um, described yourself uh, as being certain, and Derek as being excited. And Derek would say, "In that, I remember that." that moment very well he said um i don't know if i'm so sure about some of the things but i really am excited and so it shows the difference perspectives of you guys even though you have the same dna you're unique um you're unique creatures in this and the other thing that has come out in your joe bros playing catch is eric you've described yourself as an attacker and um Derek as a protector, and we had to wrestle through some of that. And yeah. it wasn't completely accurate, because you both share some attacking uh, uh, kind of mode, right, Derek? I mean, there are things that you say, like today, you said, we're going to get this done. Yep. I know there's a lot of obstacles in front of us with this one thing we're talking about, but we're going to get this done. Well, that's an attacker talking, that's not a protector talking. So You've learned to, as you play catch, you've learned to appreciate the other, the other person and their value. And so for your listeners uh, who work with teams, I think this play and catch um, imagery or metaphor is really helpful to appreciate every person on your team that you're working with and the unique perspective they bring to the fog, to the running into the fog, and you need each other to be able to do that. And before March and even at March, you talk about this, Eric, as a particular moment where you kind of separated from each other. And in some respects, Derek was running into the fog over here and Eric was running into the fog over here and you were trying to lead a company together and it wasn't, wasn't working as well as it could. So now you get to come together every week intentionally and run in the fog together. And you've learned how to play catch and really appreciate Derek. And you really appreciate yep. Eric. And I just think that's something to celebrate. And anybody that's working out there with a team, sometimes differences cause us tension. And, and how cool is it to be able to, to work together to appreciate each other at a new level? Because um, yep. right. you can't turn insight into action as a team unless everybody gets to play and play well together. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, um, if I may, you know, the, the opportunity for Eric and I to have somewhat opposite, you know, kind of perspectives or places in the company where we, where we tend to apply our talents, that's obvious, you know, it has to be that way, but what makes us a unique combination is that we, As we have a strong appreciation for one another's talents, it allows us to come back together and build a durable and resilient framework to apply against Aurora's future. And, you know, we're going to get plenty of things wrong. There's no doubt we have over over the past 26, almost 26 years now, but more times than not, we're going to get it right. And whether that's, you know, talent acquisition and staffing or strategic decisions with the company, you know, there's there's being in business with someone as I've found in being business with you, Eric is, you know, it can be challenging and it it goes up a notch or two when it's family member. Uh, But there's also a tremendous advantage. I think that comes with that, you know, number one, we have this persona the Joe bros out in our core market of competitive Intel and market strategy. And it's, Really lovely when we encounter people who know both of us and they have witnessed the the love in person that we have for one another, love, admiration, fun, you know, just childlike joy to to borrow a term that I know you use a lot, Jeff. Uh, we haven't had an opportunity to experience that in now ten plus months because of the pandemic, but we're still doing it. Even though it's not in person, it's still being done as you see here on this podcast, hopefully. And what I what I really hope for and pray about, you know, with, with regards to this podcast, is that we can make it a platform where people can see the Joe Bros being vulnerable and being open and transparent, and we can invite a really diverse group of guests and audience members to to come into this safe space with us, you know, like you're doing today, Jeff, and just talk openly, candidly, transparently, and and uh you know with just a genuine cause about ourselves and you know it's we have tons of friends i'm already six months ahead i'm sure you are too eric thinking about these people that that we think would make amazing guests men and women uh, out there in the intel trenches business leaders etc it's just it's just really fun to envision what this could become
0: yep yeah i'm excited about it too and i think about our um Our traditional calendar before the pandemic was driven largely by meetings, you know, when we would meet people at uh, either Skip or SLA or a bunch of other, you know, encounters that we've got, our own meetings that we put on. Um, And that isn't possible right now. So it's really forced us to close the distance in other ways. And so while uh, traditionally I love when our evenings end up with you and me in a mosh pit in the middle of Cincinnati or wherever, and my glasses end up in somebody else's hair usually. <laughs> and sometimes I come home with a black eye or other dance injuries, uh, and it takes me usually a couple of weeks before those are recovered from. Uh, this is the best we got for right now. You know, this is this is what it is. You know, for the time being, and I think. Uh, You know, figuring out how to take what Aurora collectively has learned about how intelligence works, how insight becomes action, how to help people get through that acceptance process and then get energy out of it and figure out how to get energized about where they go next, the choice making process and the harder part of the sacrifices you know, think of all the sacrifices we've had to make in the last 10 months uh, in order to just keep it together, stay sane. Um, I will say that that's what happened back in March with, with Derek and me was we made some sacrifices. And part of those sacrifices were we needed we needed to fortify our, our you know, two primary lines of business around software and research based consulting Uh, And so, you know, Derek, I said to you back then, you know, we've got to figure out what percentage of our clients' work is going to be relevant in the pandemic and post-pandemic economy, because most of what they've got us doing right now is probably not, uh, and they may not know it yet. Our clients might not understand yet what ratio of their topic uh, taxonomy is going to to still be relevant. So um, I remember you saying, well, what are you going to do? I said, uh, well, I'm going to go start a media business um, and we're going to start doing webinar events and other events for, for people who need to respond to the pandemic. And in the couple of hundred you know, episodes like that we've done in the last 10 months, it's really taught me that there's a, a force multiplication factor between the businesses themselves, that they, they together are greater than the sum of their parts. And that really is what energized the collaboration of bringing Jeff in as a counselor. You know, a counselor between us as leaders and the rest of our leadership team, but really a counselor to help expose what the business opportunity was and test it, you know, and test it and make sure that it was the right place to invest. Because, you know, we're a small enough company, we don't have outside investors, we're not going to get another shot. You know, it's, it's bet the ranch every day. Um, and that's what we all do in our lives. Anyway, you know, we all bet the ranch every day, every day you go out and go to the grocery store and risk, you know, exposure to COVID-19, you're, you're taking your life in your hands to a certain extent. And it was that way before the pandemic, too. We just didn't realize it, mm-hmm. that every time we make a choice about how to spend our day, we're sacrificing everything we could have spent it on otherwise. If we're going to work, We're not going to be spending it with our family unless you're like us and we work at home. And I think I heard my daughter blowing her nose a second ago. So that'll be, you know, on our inaugural podcast, my daughter's very loud nose blowing uh, is I'm sure going to be, you know, made, uh, made eternal here. But uh, that's, I think the biggest, you know, takeaway for me. And now as we run into the fog of 2021, new president, new economy, new set of priorities about what businesses are going to have to do next, Um, I'm looking way beyond businesses and thinking about how businesses are now a part of larger movements, about how they can become part of something bigger than just their bottom line and their shareholder value creation and how they become stakeholders along with others in making the world better. You know, this world that is so beloved uh, and is so broken on so many levels becoming part of that and and equipping people outfitting them for that path forward and then being a champion for their cause to to complete our mission statement
2: yeah i one of the things that uh, as you were talking i was thinking about is how the pandemic has only accelerated what was already happening yeah and you guys talk insight into action well in the, the space, four years ago, I didn't know anything about competitive intelligence. You invited me to speak about fear at your, your, uh, your major conference here in Madison. Um, I just happened to have uh, won the, uh, the uh, exercise that we did that day, which kind of blew the minds of most people in the room, like how can a coach and pastor that knows nothing about competitive intelligence, win the war game that right. you sponsored anyway.
1: Um, it's because you didn't bring bias into the situation, but <laughs> see,
2: that's it, obviously. But see, that's <laughs> it because I didn't bring bias. And so, in each of our unique spaces, we tend to bring bias, mm. we tend to assume an expert stance.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, I talk all the time with pastors and leaders in all kinds of other different teachers and um all kinds of other different companies i said we've got to move from uh, expert to experimenter yeah and get just comfortable with you know the adventure of discovery and go and, and curiosity the stimulation of curiosity i wonder how this will turn out and so you can't and you've taught me this eric through our relationship is you can't fail mm. You can't fail. All you do is try something. And if it doesn't work out, you've got more information in the pool of information upon which to make decisions. And so actually great business leaders and those who are starting uh, new ventures would say, you've got to fail fast and fail often yeah. to find your way forward. And so we've got to, how many of in our industries are so fixated on being right or making mm. sure it works out? or getting it perfect before we'll ever take a step. And that's kind of what I mean by move forward anyway. You you know, you realize nothing's gonna be perfect. There is gonna be fear. There are gonna be obstacles. Move forward anyway, because that's the only way you're going to learn, grow and make movement forward. And so some of the things that I thought about experimenting with five years ago um, I talk myself out of. Like, mm. let me give you an example. As a pastor, I've been thinking for 10 years about canceling Sunday service mm. and having people get together to go serve the community. And I never pulled the trigger on it. Why? Well, you can't cancel Sunday service. That's what the church does. Well, March 13th hit 2020, and we have not gone back to in-person worship yet. We're planning to do it February 17th, um, but we have canceled Sunday service for all intents and purposes in person and learned how to do it and to build a community online, which is some of what you're talking about is building communities where there's shared interests, shared problems, shared gaps, where we can work together to solve those problems in the world. And what I'm learning is community is just as important As content. Mm. And if we only pump out insights and pump out content with no community built around that content and putting it into action, it's pretty much meaningless. We just get puffier heads and feel like we've learned more, but we really haven't made a difference with that insight. And that's what I really appreciate about you guys is you have really you were talking about that before the pandemic, but you've doubled down on it now in our work together over the last five to seven months that no fooling you are going to be a company that helps put insight into action and by doing that for folks you are going to actually champion their cause Mm.
1: we hope that your cause feels championed uh, by us jeff i mean i think it's pretty safe to say eric and i are both strong kind of alpha-ish you know business leaders right and Mm -hmm. when we thought who's going to help us with this running into the fog and reintegration of the, of the Jill bros mindsets, right? We, we looked at each other and I think there's probably one person in this world that could do it. And it was mm-hmm. Jeff Meyer. Yes. And, you know, that's what's really beautiful about this friendship that started five, six years ago with Eric and has matured into a great friendship. I consider it a great friendship with you uh, directly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I think the first time I had exposure to you, Jeff, was, um, you may not even remember this. Um, the, the burby Derby Thanksgiving days, maybe, uh, three or four years ago. Yeah. I see, I see Jeff run out of a, a medical, yeah. essentially a medical camper. You had gotten your earbuds stuck in your ear.
2: <laughs> Just <laughs> locked solid, brother. Do you remember this? Oh, I remember it. And I, I said, what are you helps. doing?
1: What are you doing in the medic tent? Jeff. And he goes, well, I'm getting my earbud taken out. I said, what? <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's one of my earliest memories of one-to-one interactions that I've had with you.
2: There oh, was oh, wow. talk about uh, vulnerability, humility, <laughs> right? They couldn't get it out. So that thing, that's thing stuck in my ear for another hour before I could get home and get a tweezers in there and pull it out. Yeah. yeah talk about wow. running into the fog. I thought for a minute that I was uh, going to be deaf the rest of my life from the left side of my head that
1: was crazy it's got to be daunting wow. though for you to think about you know like you serve stakeholders at your church and i'm sure many of them i know for certain because we've talked about it that many of them believe that in-person services should have returned by now right um you know how do you how do you serve in a faithful way that community run into the fog for mm. those stakeholders and also do a you and your board and other leaders at your church believe are you know the the safer protocols perhaps and that's a debate depending on which side of the fence you you arrive on but you're you're a you're a leader of that business um you know -hmm. known as your church and i'm sure it hasn't been a very easy job to run into the fog on a day-to-day basis there talk to us a little bit about that and how you've tried to kind of uh move insight to action, particularly with some of those stakeholders that may not necessarily see it from your point of view?
2: It's a constant challenge where people have opinions and where people have preferences. Um, And to be vulnerable, the church's um, probably biggest weakness in my lifetime has been that we have allowed preferences and opinions to run the day. Um, and trying to please and you can't right you can't there's no way as a leader that you can take everybody's perspective and 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 their um, opinion about it or their preference about it and satisfy them Mm. Um, it's it's an impossible challenge and so the biggest thing I would say is you've got to relentlessly focus on the mission And be reminded of the values that you have settled on, that you want to fiercely defend, that make you uniquely who you are as an organization. You've got to really be focused on the end result that you're after. And for the church, it's largely through my lifetime been about getting people in church. We talk about budgets and buildings, right? Budgets and buildings and attendance, and that's what has been our measure well the pandemic blew that up right so now what well it's been now what's been always what should have been focused on and that is the mission what is the mission of the organization what what are we here to do every single day for you guys it's to outfit people right for their path forward and to champion their cause um, putting insight into action, helping with artificial intelligence. Uh, for us, it's to share good news with the world in such a way that it becomes irresistible. And the church hasn't always been good at that because we've settled on our preferences um, and our opinions. I just, it's very interesting that you ask that. I've got this little note attached to a lamp right here on my desk. And it's here because I need to remind myself of this constantly. The temptation when we encounter mistrust is to get so wrapped around trying to win the person over to believing us mm. that we lose all perspective. And as a leader, man, when I can't get someone's, when I can't move someone off their preference, I try harder. I try harder mm. and harder and harder to influence them. And it, it has caused pain. Me as a leader, and it's caused pain for the person I'm trying to cajole or to convince. If we fall into the trap, our pleading becomes more about our desire for success or validation or acceptance than the message we're trying to convey. And then I say at the end here so we need to keep focused on the truth we have to proclaim, the mission, and keep our eyes open for the people around us who are ready to join it. And then I I just close with God will always give us someone to hear our message. Hmm. Um, He'll always put someone in our path. But I tend to focus too much on the ones that I haven't convinced yet. And so the shift is pay attention. I've had leaders grab me by the, literally grab, grab me by the ears and say, Jeff, you're focused on the person that won't follow Look at all the people who are, invest in them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But as an influencer, right, you get certain validation by turning someone, by helping them see the truth. Well, you know, there are some people that you will never be able to turn. That's okay. Let them go. Focus on the ones who are ready and willing to follow and to engage in the mission. So I don't know what... What kind of points did you get out of that, Eric, that you well, could put it's... into a leadership uh, spreadsheet or leadership content piece from this podcast on how to turn insight into action in with a group of people that see the world differently?
0: Yeah. So one of the things that in the last few years has been a big part of my doctrine uh, has been translating the old key intelligence topics into something a little more actionable, uh, which we just generically call control factors. And so uh, the original key intelligence topics have been very useful. They came out of CIA. They were first moved into the corporate world at Motorola by Jane Herring and others. Uh, And uh, early warning factors, key players in the marketplace, and then strategic decisions and issues they were always really abstract to me. And I really had a hard time sort of wrapping my history major brain around, you know, what that meant and how to, boy those are, what do I do with that? You know, I've got an inventory of these things, but you know, that whole key players thing that turns into a profiling exercise and that's almost never actionable. I, I know who they are, I think. And, you know, I've got their, their two by two quadrant, you know, all mapped of where they stand in the marketplace versus everybody else. But what do I do? And so uh, I I was at dinner with Jan Herring, actually, Derek, just after you joined the fellows, uh, maybe five, six years ago. uh, And uh, we were at our fellows annual retreat in October. And I said, Jan, what if instead of key players, we called that influence factors. And it was about the, the, the control factors that others control, but that we have measurable degrees of influence over greater or lesser. And Jan's like, you know, why didn't I think of that? That's a really great idea. And so that sort of, he really spurred me on to then begin recalibrating kits. Uh, What are key intelligence topics when you look at them from the standpoint of control and then how to make it versatile. Uh, So what came out of that was we now have these three types of control factors, dominion factors, which are the choices that you control uh, both as a corporation or as a, Nonprofit, or as a group, or as an individual for that matter. You, as an individual in the world, you have your dominion factors, which are choices you can make about what to do next. And if you ignore those dominion factors, then you're going to feel powerless. You're going to feel trod upon. You're going to feel like there's no control in your life. And at the other end of the spectrum, there are the contingency factors, all the things that nobody controls. Guess what? You might've voted in the last election. You might be really happy with the results or really unhappy with the results, but Mm -hmm. you know what? You don't control it. You have very, very minuscule control over that. But you, but one thing is certain is that you've got to cope with it. You've got to cope with the contingencies that will now happen as a result of that reality becoming true. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this hardest one of influence factors, I'll tell you, figuring out other people um, is probably the most challenging part of being a leader, figuring out not only how to motivate them, but how to fulfill them, how to help them find what they need. And then in particular, in a team, you know, figuring out what role they fulfill within a team, you know, that that's something that just really takes a lot of care. Frankly, it takes a lot of love. And I don't know a lot of leaders, to be quite candid who have that degree of commitment to the people they lead. Mm. But you guys are exceptions to that, by the way. Um, I don't want to uh, you know, miss saying that part. But I think this idea that you have dominion factors, influence factors, and contingency factors. I, I read the Stoics again over uh, the Christmas break. Uh, so that week between Christmas and New Year's, when we're all kind of slacking and nobody really feels like working much. And I cracked open my Marcus Aurelius and, uh, you know, really dug into Bertrand Russell is a, is a favorite of mine. And uh, one of Derek's favorite philosophers is Jocko Willink, uh, the former Navy SEAL. Actually, I think it's once a SEAL, always a SEAL. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this idea that you, uh, you shouldn't get all wrapped up in things that aren't in your, control. You should ignore, in fact, to the greatest extent possible, those things that you have no influence over. Because if you don't, you miss all the stuff that you, you can influence and control. And that's where the powerlessness that I think a lot of people, and as we think of our, you know, outfitting people for the path forward, championing their cause, if we don't help them inventory their actual control factors and figure out what to actually do, we're not very good advisors either.
1: Yeah, Eric, can I layer on some? I just want to make sure for yeah. for people listening to this. So, key intelligence topics, and if you've ever had an opportunity to study, as you have and I have, and others inside of our CI fellows uh, circle have, uh, at the the heels of Jan Herring, it's a real uh, treat, and you know we love Jan, of course. But the pivot to from key intelligence topics to control factors. I just want to make sure for, for those listening at home, dominion factors are strategic, aligned to the old strategic decisions. Influence factors are aligning to key players. And contingency factors align to the early warning indicators, um, third bucket, if you will, of those kits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, back to something Jeff said about coming into G2, our G2 meeting four years ago and winning that little obelisk that you, he just showed. Made the rogue it, wave. The rogue and, wave convergence. rogue wave, baby. Yeah, so many Egg times wave. we we bring such bias ourselves into these situations or ego. And Jocko would, would call it ego. Like if you can't check your ego at the door and get over yourself and see it from the other person's perspective, or see it from the other team's perspective. That's why I love wargaming in general is because you're, you're essentially transplanting yourself from I am Derek. And now all of a sudden I'm playing Jeff or I'm playing Eric or I'm playing team X or, you know, this, uh, this wildcard team, you know, that might come in really disrupt our space. Right. And it's just, I I actually, I've known you my entire life and hearing those terms dominion influence and contingency are super eye opening for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I just want to make sure that I aligned it. But yeah. let's go back to the values that drive Aurora. You know, the, the three values that you, Jeff, have helped us bring out. Insatiable curiosity, authentic selflessness, and worthy challenge. I mean, it, in our world, we are so blessed to, to be asked to get involved in some stuff that I think, frankly, you know, people come to us because they may not know where else to turn, right? And you know, they come to us because they I hope they think that we're gonna give them an honest assessment of what could be possible or different perspectives or ways to think about it. But those those three values and the process, Jeff, you've stepped us through to get to that point. You know, I mean, if that's all we've done in the last four and a half months of process with you, I would call it a win. But you know, layering on top of that, you know, running into the fog when you have values that Mm-hmm. are defined like that, I find it just a lot easier, to be really honest. Jeff, you, you have any comments on that, you know, how your yeah, values think, can define yes. a, a foggy moment?
2: I think two things that define the foggy movement in particular is the mission. That's, I look at it as a compass. It's not a map. It's a compass. And so a compass shows you the direction of true north in any uncertain terrain, So you can plop yourself down in any uncertain terrain and know that your your mission every day is to um, outfit that individual you're working with, that company you're working with, to to outfit them for the path forward and to champion their cause. Um, And the values are the bedrock beliefs that um, are put into action through the company or the individual's insight into action it's it it's and it's this thing that's going to be challenged all the time Mm -hmm. and i think i go back to the war game for example the reason we won wasn't because we got different information than everybody else in the room got everybody got the same information right we went to the same table and got the same feedback from that group that was running the show there with the fitness information the difference was we listened differently
1: Mm. We listened
2: yeah. differently to it. And then we we took that insight and put it into action. And there was, there I know there were some people, because we debriefed this later, there were people in the room that resisted the information and said, ah, that can't really be true. Yeah. Let's do this. And they just did what they'd always done before. And that's what was so great about the war game. And so when you're in your own environment, it's hard to receive information from an outside source because you've already built your assumptions around what you're seeing. And that's why the church has such a hard time adapting, for example. That's why educators have had such a difficult time adapting and they were forced into it. And now they've seen a whole new possibility, right, of education and what it might look like. And institutions are designed to protect and preserve the institution, And so they become very resistant and reticent to receive new information that might give them a new perspective. And you guys are in that business all the time. The most fearful lot, unwilling to receive the news in the boardroom is probably the CEO of companies because their whole life depends on that institution continuing to do what it's always done.
0: Yeah, you just really, so a couple things. Um, First of all, I'll say I'm never prouder of an Aurora person than when they are getting beat nine ways to Sunday in a debriefing. When they're briefing a C-suite or just a one-on-one meeting with a client and that client or group of clients is banging on them and ganging up and telling them that can't be real. And that humble analyst is out there proving why it is real, why it's true, why it is the truth, and that their assumptions were faulty. Uh, going in and showing evidence and changing their minds and changing their hearts as a result, you know, of that too. And then changing their destiny uh, Mm. as a part of that, they're going to behave differently because they encountered a person from Aurora WDC. They're changed. Mm. I'm never prouder. And Derek, you'll, remember the time that uh, one of our guys, Chris, was getting just dressed down by some of the most aggressive leaders in the tech industry, I think. And he just very calmly just uh, told the truth and they believed him by the time they were done. I've never been prouder than when a person from Aurora does that you Derek, me, any one of our junior people who've just joined anybody in the company. Um, and Jeff, what you realized, what you made me realize was the same is true of intelligence as it is of ministry, disciple making. And that is that humility is the prerequisite for there to be a yield of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unhumble are unteachable. And uh, Derek, you, shared a willing uh, quote around you, you're either humble or you will be humbled.
1: Be humbled uh, or be prepared to get humbled.
0: Get humbled. And that's, I think, what the pandemic's created for us, both as a society and as a civilization, but also each of us individually, is it's reminded us that we're not as smart as we thought we were. And that we need each other in order to chart a path into the future. Particularly when the future's foggy and the unknown lies around the corner or over the horizon, and we can't see it, but we know we can't stop. We got to go. And it's a lot easier, more enjoyable, less terrifying to go together. And I think, you know, with that, uh, any final words before we wrap this inaugural Running Into the Fog podcast with the Joe Bros, Jeff Meyer, our inaugural. Uh, guest. Any final thoughts? And then we better wrap this up.
2: Yeah. I just really appreciate the opportunity. If people want to know more about my work, they can go to jeffmeyer.org. You can find my book. My first book is there. And uh, also what I do. Um, Would love to chat with you about your running into the fog, um, a listener or where you're experiencing fear and help you move forward anyway. Like I've been able to help uh, with Eric and Derek and their company Thank you for the time. Thank you for the trust. And most importantly, you guys, thank you for the relationship, allowing me to play catch with you guys as your friend. Uh, that just means a lot.
1: Final thing I'll say just to set the record straight, Eric, you referenced the date January 26th. So two days ago, January 24th, our uh, Green Bay Packers received a humbling at the, uh, at the heels of Tom Brady, the goat, right. As a lot of people would say, and I just want the record to reflect. This is not a Minnesota Viking shirt. Um, (laughs) It it is a tribute on this one year, uh, first anniversary of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. I'm a girl dad also, and, uh, have gotten a lot of strength personally out of this Mamba mentality concept, Jeff, you played college basketball, only one amongst us on the line here today uh, to have done so. And, uh, I really just wanted after the Packer humbling, I wanted to make it very clear. This was not a Minnesota Viking shirt that I'm wearing. I'm a diehard Packer fan, but two, two 48 hours ago was um, a humbling for many of us in our great state.
2: Yeah. Thanks for opening the wound up. I was just starting to get on with, get on with my week and then you
0: bring it up. You're just welcome. scabbed man. over and Derek <laughs> just ripped that scab right just off. Larry, it Larry. right off. You are well, guys. Uh, Derek, I love the tribute to Kobe, and I remember uh, sitting in an airplane seat with you on our way to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for our 2020 offsite before the pandemic last year, and the news came through, Mm -hmm. um, and how much that really hit you in particular. I'm not a huge basketball fan. I know, forgive me, but uh, I I am a fan of my people, and I know that when people are touched, including my brother, uh, by a loss like that, um, you know, trying to empathize trying to empathize and I think feel what they're feeling or, or at least, you know, have some sympathy for that. And I think, you know, I'll leave it with uh, some of the most powerful things that I think anyone can ever say uh, at the end of a conversation like this, which is, I love you. I love you mm-hmm. both. And thank you so much for kicking this off this way. I can't wait to see who's next. And we don't know who that's going to be. So if you have suggestions of who should be on the podcast, or you want to be a guest, or whatever and run into the fog with the joe bros uh reach out i'm sure you can use google and track us down uh, as effectively as the next person so thanks guys love you back big brother love you love too jeff you love you both bye-bye